Today I'd like to continue a thought that I, I began about uh, two weeks ago. And I, I'd like for you to just look at a scripture with me in John chapter 5 and verse number 39. John chapter 5 and verse 39. I'm going to read that verse and then I'm going to move over to the book of Second Timothy chapter 3. The Bible says, and Jesus is speaking, he says, search the scriptures. Is that what your Bible says? Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. I think probably not only in our church, but in Christendom altogether, there is a tremendous amount of neglect when it comes to us searching the scriptures. not to embarrass or not to defame or not to uh, criticize. But I wonder how much time you personally spent this week searching the scriptures. And then you're so fearful about the election. If we could quote as much scripture as we could Fox, Foolish, BBS, B-U-L-L, and everything else, I think we'd have a greater outlook on life. Someone asked the question this week, who is in charge of this world? Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that Satan is the God of this world. Why should he put somebody good in charge? <laughs> You're welcome. I wish I'd have thought of that. I didn't, but I thought it If I was in charge of something, I believe, and I'm not talking about Trump or any of this. Trump's not running it any more than anybody else is. But if I were in charge of something, I think I'd put somebody in charge of like-mindedness anyway. This world's not our home. We're just acting like it and living like it and worried about it. Search the scriptures, the Bible says. Well, 
since you have that verse in mind, let's turn over to the book of Second Timothy, chapter 3. And I want to read you something and try to help encourage you a little bit today. Now, I'm going to vote according to what I think the scripture embraces. And then I'm going to let God handle the rest. I'm going to do what I can to keep this thing as straight as I can. But I'm not going to have a nervous breakdown worrying about how many angels can stand on the head of a needle and thrum a harp till we all get through this mess. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul writing to Timothy, he says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learnt and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now, you get that? All scripture is profitable. A lot more profitable than anything you've watched on television or drummed up on your social media platform this week. And I would say it would embarrass us to no end to compare the time we've spent in scripture building our faith compared to the time we spent on social media and in television, ignited our fears. You say, preacher, I didn't come for this. This is what you're getting anyhow. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable Therefore, Jesus says, search the scriptures. Is that about right? Then he says, all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be, may be perfect or mature or complete or adult or grown up thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I don't understand why people don't spend more time in the word of God. Four things noteworthy to 
note about the Holy Scriptures according to verse 15. Their perfection. Verse 16 says all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Anything that perfect I think could help my lifestyle. Anything that perfect I think would help my home life. Anything that perfect I think would help my relationships with my family. I don't understand why Christians can't forgive. I don't understand why Christians don't want to live right. I don't understand why Christians don't want to be kind. You know where I get all of that? I get it out of the Bible. It's not my choice to whether I love you or not. I'm commanded by Almighty God to love you. It makes no difference whether I feel like being kind or not. I may have had ground glass for breakfast. I may have had a holy cocktail of TNT. Somebody might have put dynamite in my post hostage before I ate, came, come to church. That don't mean it gives me a right to blow up in your face just because I don't like you. Where does all of this confusion and hatred and malice come from? Not from the Bible. Most of it I see coming from TV. Well, this is going over like a concrete cloud, but that's all right. The scriptures are perfect. You understand that? If I want to have a perfect relationship with my wife, guess where I get it? From the Bible, not out of television or not off of some of these trim and lean machine uh, television programs. It's perfect. Notice also it's preserved. It's preserved. I don't know if you know it or not. But the Bible says that the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in an earthly furnace. Purified seven times and thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. According to Psalms 12, verse 6 and 7, this is a perfect book. You said which version? This version. You would think that anything that is so perfect, so informative, so eternal, we would might use it for an instruction manual. No, but like me, when I buy something, I always throw the instructions to the side because I'm smart enough to figure this myself. Then after about three hours and a lot of extra parts, my wife looks at me like God and says, instructions. Anybody feel that way every once in a while? This is a perfect book. It is a preserved book. It is a book of purpose. God gave it to us for a reason. 
The Bible said that it might make thee wise unto salvation. You don't have to look anywhere in the world on how to get to heaven except through the heavenly book. Now let me help you also. It is not only a a inspired book. It's a perfect book. It is a preserved book. It is a purposeful book. But today it is a profitable book. Can I talk to you just a little while today about the profitable book? The Bible said all scripture is profitable. Profitable. Can you say amen? Vince Lombardi was probably one of the winningest coaches in the NFL. Now, I don't watch the NFL. I watched some, I watched Texas yesterday just a little while until mountain men came on. And probably one of the winningest coaches of all time was Vince Lombardi. Once after losing a game, he called a team meeting in the locker room. And in the face of all of these season-hardened football players who knew football in and out, Mr. Lombardi took a football and held it up and said, Men, this is a football. And he began to teach those season-hardened football players the basics of football. The basis, the very basics of football. And he said, men, we must get back to the basics. Listen to me. He knew the importance of the basics. We have forgotten the importance of the basics. We have turned everyone to his own way. And we need to return back to the basics. The same is true with Christianity. If we forget the basic premise of Christianity, that we are the people of the book, And the day we cease being people of the book, we cease being people of God. We must return to the basics. The problem is that the Bible had become too familiar. We've got them laying on every chair and every table in the house, gathering dust, if you please. We have become too familiar with the Bible. This is no longer a precious book, a personal book, a precious book, a godly book, a letter from God Almighty to tell us how and where we're to go and to what we are to do. I like Kellogg's cornflakes. They're godly. Especially with a lot of sugar on them. Several years ago, Kellogg's Corn Flakes come out with this very 
special ad. And it says, taste them again for the first time. Today, could I please encourage you to taste it again for the first time. Taste it again that it might do something in your heart and soul that would change your outlook and your uplook and pretty soon you're taken up. Taste it again for the first time like it was when the day you got saved, how precious it was. That day, first day, I opened that Schofield Bible. I couldn't even spell Schofield. Couldn't find a book. So I just opened it up and started reading and I couldn't read very well either. And I just started reading and I happened to fall over yonder in the book of Daniel. Lord, I hadn't been saved but one day and I didn't know how to pray and I didn't know anything about the Bible and I just turned it over to the book of Daniel and it just fell right on Daniel chapter number three and I began to read down through there about Daniel and uh, and the lion's den and I began to read about the Hebrew children and I didn't understand it when I got down there and it said and the fourth had the image of thee son of God you need to taste it again you need to taste it again. It needs to become precious again. It needs to be lively again. It needs to be lovely again. Taste it again for the first time. Search the scriptures. For them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Peter said, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How can you grow in knowledge? How can you grow spiritually without your taste? Without there's an appetite. Oh, I don't ever want to become spiritual familiar with Jesus that I do not recognize him for who he is. I don't ever want to get so familiar about heaven that I don't want to go there. Oh, some folks are fearing death by faith we're going to land that's fairer than day and we won't have to worry about Tuesday elections in heaven because we're not voting on that deal. Amen. Search the scriptures and all of them are profitable. Can I give you this? Profitable. I like that. Profitable. The scriptures perform a wonderful ministry in my life. I don't know, but all these many years, I've kind of, I guess I've kind of been an outlaw. I have no idea. But I've always known who's in charge in this world. And 50 years ago, I changed commander-in-chief in my life. Now, it don't really matter who's in charge in this world. Because I know who's in charge of my life. 
Are you listening to me? Oh, how, how frightened it is for people to live in fear. Fear somebody's going to leave you. Fear somebody's not going to like you. For fear that bubble gum machine behind your car's after you instead of the guy in front of you. Come on, say amen. But the scriptures perform a wonderful ministry in my life. They perform an equipping ministry in my life. Verse 17, it says that the man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. As I search the scriptures, I become thoroughly furnished. They equip me for the faith. You know, when I got saved, I didn't know much about faith. You know, before I got saved, I didn't realize that God wanted people to serve him. I just thought people went to church because that's what they did. Everything I've learned about God, I've learned from his book. You know, when I got saved, I come to the conclusion that faith had a lot to do with this thing. Is anybody with me now yet? You see, the scriptures equipped me for the faith. The Bible said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me illustrate that to you. Years ago, I was pastoring up in Fort Worth and right across the street, a young lady moved in from Mexico City. We were sending 10, I don't know how many buses all over Fort Worth and even when I was in Fort Worth, we sent a bus to Cleburne and brought folk from Cleburne up to Fort Worth and and I thought to myself, since we've got missionaries all over the world and buses all over town, why should I let the lady across the street die and go to hell and me not go see her? So I went across the street and come to find out this lady that just moved in, she, she's a teacher with a master's degree from uh, Mexico City and she had moved to the area and was teaching in our public schools. And I asked her some questions, talked to her about the Lord and asked her if she died today, did she know go to heaven? And she said, no. Uh, she said, but you know, there's something about my religion I really don't understand and I, I really don't think it's working too good. I said, what's that? She said, well, when the priest holds up the crackers and holds up the, uh, the, the wine and, uh, and says a few words, they're not turned into the blood and body of Christ if the priest drinks enough of that wine, he'll get drunk. Now that's what she told me. So I tried to win her to the Lord. I took her down the Roman road, Samaritan road, back down the Jericho road, and I also went down the Samaritan road. We, I showed her so many roads in the Bible. She was confused, thought it was a road map. So I didn't know what to do. I said, ma'am, if, if, if I gave you a Bible, would you read, 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 read the Bible? For me. She said, sure. So I went across the street, got a Bible, come back, and I opened the Bible, and I said, now, if you would please, would you start reading the book of John? 
just, just the book of John. And I'll be back next week and we'll talk about it. She said, sure, that's good, that's good. Well, now Sunday morning, I started to preach and I looked up and she walked in the front door. She sat out. I preached, I gave an invitation. She stood up, come forward. And I said, ma'am, what do you want? She turned to John chapter number three and said, I want to be born again like that guy right there. God didn't need my expertise or education. This will work. And she said, I want to be born again like that fella in John chapter number three. Searching the scriptures enabled faith to take place. When I was in seminary, I met a gal by the name of David Bickish. He is the most rude, arrogant, nasty Yankee I've ever met. He was absolutely, he could not even go to a drugstore and ask to buy anything without everybody in the place thought he was mad. You ever know those folk up, some folk, a few folk, one or two of those folk up north, they just don't know how it is to be nice. They're nice. They just don't know how to come across nice. David would walk in and want to buy something. He'd say, could I buy this or that? What are you mad at? Nothing. David was just that kind of guy. I asked him, I said, are you sure you're saved? He said, sure, I'm saved. He said, oh, would you tell me about it? He said, sure. I was in a motel room in Pennsylvania and I stole a Bible out of the room. And I'm a crane operator in a steel mill and I have a, quite a lot of time. And he said, I was reading the Bible in my crane and I come to John chapter number three and saw that where it says, being born again. And then I come to Matthew and it says that Jesus went down into the water and was baptized. And he said, I crawled out of that crane, went down the ladder, went to the Baptist church in Butler, Pennsylvania, walked into the preacher's office and said, I want to be baptized like that fella in Matthew 3. What have you been searching What you've been searching has made an indelible impression on your heart. What you have been watching, what you have been reading, what you have been listening to has made a deep impression on your heart. Look, let me teach you how to do something. You say, you're stupid, but I'm not miserable. Searching the scriptures equipped us for faith. Saving faith. Thank God I'm saved. Amen. Thank God you're saved today. The election Tuesday is not going to affect that one iota. Trump cannot add one day to your life. 
And the rest of them can't take any out of it. Can you say amen? And what you need to realize today, that searching the scriptures and reading through the word of God and plowing through the hard dirt that's hard to understand and sitting by the pansies over yonder in the book of Psalms and just being there will help you live a life of faith. God bless your heart. It will equip you with saving faith. It'll equip you with standing faith. Standing faith. <laughs> Can you imagine? The Bible said, and thou from a child has learned. Continue, he says, continue in the faith. Continue thou. Ephesians chapter six is a good chapter in your Bible. And I'll not take too long. It's almost time to go. I think my wife's got a crock pot and got something in it. And I do not want it to burn. Ephesians 6, verse 11, that you may be able to stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, having done all to stand. You know what will help you stand? This book will equip you to stand. Stand, yes. Ephesians chapter 6 and 14, stand therefore. Ephesians 6 and 17, and taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This book, this book is the Word of God. It will help you to stand. Can I help you? In the days of political correctness. Oh, we can't say anything anymore. We can't do anything anymore without somebody saying, nah, 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 nah. Black is no longer black. White is no longer white. Everything gray now. You wonder, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? This will tell you what to do. This will tell you what to say. This will tell you where to go. In the day of political correctness, political corruptness, and political confusion, we don't know who's against who. We don't know who's investigating who or who's going to do anything about anybody who gets investigated. Well, I'm a Democrat and I'm a Republican and I'm an Independent and most of us are stupid. I know one thing. It did say that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It did say that there's none doeth good or understandeth. It did say that we all are rotten from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. I don't know why you expect some of those politicians to be so godly pure. Hello. You say, I ain't liking this. I ain't liking it either because it hurt me worse when I studied it than it did when I was preaching it. Can you imagine how our culture has changed for some of we who've been around a while. I, I, I don't, uh, uh, I'm not amazed at people not standing 
for the flag or the national anthem. When over half of us don't even know what America stands for. I, I don't uh, I don't understand why then any why anybody would be surprised that this is no longer a Christian nation. No more time than we spent in the scriptures this past week. I think it's about time we quit blaming everybody else for the failure of America. You say, I'm mad. I'm glad. It will equip us to stand. I don't have to worry about the ads on television swaying me from how I vote, where I go, what I eat, what I drink, or who I go with. I'm not taking orders from the boss of this world. I'm taking orders from the God of the universe. But if you're going to know what he wants you to do, you might ought to get your head out of social media long enough to search the scriptures. Well, I can see right now it's about time to go. Some of you folk about to go to sleep. I just think maybe if we spent a little bit more time searching the scriptures. It might equip us, give us saving faith, standing faith, and serving faith. The scripture says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. The Bible says that we ought to be able to give a reason for the hope that lieth within us. Now, when I got saved, I, I, I'm kind of weird. I can identify with Isaiah when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the Bible says his train filled the temple. And around him were holy beings crying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And I can honestly identify with Isaiah when he said, hear my Lord, send me. Wasn't no argument about it. 
when my Lord reached so deeply down in the pit of despair and lifted me up and set my feet on a solid rock and established my goings, I would have been the biggest fool in the world not to say, here am I, Lord, send me. And I dug my feet into that old Schofield Bible and I began to read it and I come across men who raised their fist in the face of the devil and says, give me this mountain. Caleb in the face of fear and despair and all the mass media of his day said, I don't care how big those giants are. I don't care how big and bad mouth they are. I don't care how bad their breath smells. God said, that's my mountain. Give me that mountain. Digging in this book will give you saving faith, standing faith, and serving faith. A little squinchback Jew that thought he had it going his way on his road to Damascus one day God slapped him off his steed and he had flat of his back and he looked up into heaven and a light shined and Paul said what would thou have me to do There's profit in this book. We become too familiar with this book. We need to get back in the book. And we need to let the book get back into us. That'll do more for this country than 7,000 elections. And it costs a whole lot less money. And all of God's people said, Amen. serving faith. <laughs> well, it'll equip us with faith, okay? And it'll equip us for the fight. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. but against spiritual wickedness in high places. Have you ever noticed this life is a fight? We're fighting disease. We're fighting our health. We're fighting our friends. We're fighting our foes. It's a fight. You can't watch television 10 minutes without you see somebody's mad at somebody. I've never seen the Democrats and Republicans so vicious at one another. Uh, I just, it's amazing. Life is a fight. You fight to stay on top. You fight to get to the top. You fight on your way to the top. And if you never get to the top, you're wanting to fight those that's keeping you from getting to the top. 
then you get to the top and you fight to stay at the top. You find somebody you want to live happy, live happily with the rest of your life and you fight them the rest of your life. You marry them because they're not like you, so you try your best to change them into what you would like. Then when you get them changed into what you like, you don't like what you got because you fell in love with what you changed when you started fighting. Is anybody here today? And whether you're saved or not, your life is a fight. You're wrestling with flesh and blood. You're wrestling with the normality. You're wrestling with what you can see. You're wrestling with, with everything. Your fight is with the day. Your fight is getting through the day. Your fight is uh, paying the bills. Your fight is uh, keeping your car running. Your fight, your fight, it's a fight. No wonder we're so happy. <laughs> we're in a fight and we're losing every day. Then when you get saved, you change, you change who you fight. You're not fighting flesh and blood anymore. You're fighting principalities and powers, spiritual weakness in high places. You get saved, you start fighting what you can't see. Before you get saved, you fight everybody you can see. Life's a fight. You can either face it in fear or by faith. And how you've acted this week is a determinator if you're living by fear or by faith. Faith looks at the outreached hand of God and says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Fear. It's frightful of Tuesday. What are we going to do if a certain party wins? It's the end of everything. I don't know what we're going to do. We'll have to put sugar in our beans to make them taste good. The scriptures will give you faith. Amen. Faith. It will give us power for the fight. 